This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to an incredibly complex operation to put on coverage of a province-wide municipal election. From CTV News, this is Election 2018 with me, Jung Lee, and Scott Roberts. Our anchors and producers had an incredibly daunting task looking at the big picture. British Columbians are voting for mayors, councillors and school boards in 126 municipalities and we are watching all 775 races. The newsroom side of the action will be covered in this first of a two-part podcast in what's often referred to as the News Olympics. We have reporters fanned right out across the region following the exciting races. The field crews will make up part two of the pod. The crowd here is going wild. On the election of government officials closest to the decisions that affect you, your family, and your livelihood. I think it's my civic duty. Hopefully we show the city what it is that we want through our votes. I think it's very important, even though this year is very confusing. I think it's still worthwhile casting a ballot. We're going to begin our newsroom coverage with Mi Jung and Scott. Thank you so much for being on BTS with CTV. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Okay, so I think what a lot of people don't realize about an election special like this is that it is so different from your regular job because it's often scripted. It's You've thought about uh, every choice of words in a 6 o'clock newscast, whereas for something like this, I mean, the beginning is scripted, but then it's just a runaway freight train. What is it like for you on the desk when things just get rolling and then it just goes off script? Well, I was really excited because, I mean, I've been involved with provincial election shows, but um, Scott and I have never anchored together and sort of co-anchoring, the, ma- the being the main anchors of a, what was it, six and a half hour show? Yeah, it was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long one. So I was really excited. And I, I do like ad-libbing and I like going with the flow and following where the story is. So I, I was excited about it, but I was just wondering how soon the results were going to come in. Yeah, like, that was that was one of the big <laughs> things because, um, you know, we rehearse, we do some rehearsals in the week leading up that, you know, what, what could this look like? Um, what are the graphics going to look like? They throw some fake numbers at us. Um, but, you know, kind of that doesn't really prepare you for when you're up there sitting in, in the chair as the results are coming in. In this case, we did have to fill quite a bit of time with our panel and our reporters in the field because we didn't get the Vancouver results uh, till quite late, although they came in all uh, much of them all at once. I think it's closer s- to 10, I believe, when the yeah. Vancouver, and everyone was wondering, why aren't the Vancouver numbers coming in? So we kept on going to other remote locations. Uh, we had great panelists, uh, George Affleck, former Vancouver City Councilor, and Diane Watts, former Surrey Mayor. So they were awesome. Yeah. And we could... You throw anything at them. And yeah, they well, I was just going to ask, actually, how important it is for you, not just, I mean, you two obviously have chemistry together. I mean, people see that every night, but how important is it to have chemistry with the panelists that are with you for hour after hour of live television? Well, it's really important. And the funny thing is, we didn't, we hadn't sat together until Saturday afternoon. I mean, we both know George and Diane from having reported in the field, um, but we hadn't sat together until, what was it, about... Two two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday to actually sit down, talk to each other, uh, get up there. We did one last rehearsal before things started going. We had anchored the six o'clock show uh, together. And um, so it it was it was interesting because we didn't really know what it was going to be like. We hadn't sat up there with them, Mm -hmm. but it was great. I mean, they have a wealth of knowledge about certainly Vancouver and Surrey. 
Um, and they were really candid, I, I felt. You know, there's a little bit of impatience, so certainly my phone's blowing up. I know, oh my God, I know George is really going, where are the results? Because it's the impatience, yeah. the waiting game, right? You've, yeah. you've run this campaign, you've you gone full out. wonder how drunk you can get at this point. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, maybe. <laughs> For Diane, it was hard to watch. I mean, her party was the party she used to lead uh, in Surrey, you know, essentially decimated. So... Um, I think it was hard for her to watch, but she did a great job, you know, reacting very honestly to what she was seeing. Yeah, I really did appreciate their honesty. Um, even George Affleck was honest about his own party, and he thought that the NPAA had not run a very um, dynamic campaign. So we really appreciated their candidness. Um, so it's good having people who are not, you know, going into politics again. Yeah. <laughs> so they can just be honest and uh so that was great and they were both they're such pros and yeah. they they just have such great experience and and passion for for public service and and politics so that really came through i think and i think part of it as you mentioned you know we talk about rehearsing but it's just sort of following where the story goes and they followed right with us i mean um you know, like i said these numbers come in and we're sort of experiencing it really with the viewer we don't know what's going to happen um, you know, we've got a producer in our ear just basically telling us which city is coming next. But until those graphics pop up on screen, we're kind of just experiencing the whole show right with the viewer, um, sort of narrating what we see. And George and Diane are there as well to, to bounce questions off of. And we're all kind of just watching it happen like you would watch it at home. It's kind of funny to say it that way because we're up True. we're up on a TV set and, and we're on screen. But Honestly, we don't know what's going to happen, and, and you just sort of follow the puck as it bounces around all night. So, well, Of course, Scott, you did memorize the 71 different city council <laughs> candidates, didn't you? Well, that was the other thing, because, you know, we talk about um, it being our first show together, uh, and, and we've re- reported, um, you know, from election headquarters for years and years and years and many elections um, separately. But this is, was the first time I've ever anchored a, an election show. So I was actually... I'm not usually nervous, but I was kind of nervous going into this one because there's so much to research. I mean, there's, what, 19 municipalities in Metro Vancouver that you're trying to understand who the candidates are, what what their former jobs might be, what their politics is, and trying to understand the storylines in each one of those communities. So that was kind of stressing me out leading up to the show. But I think once it starts, um, you know, you just kind of go with it and... Yeah. And again, follow the story. I think we're, you know, you're trying to find what are the storylines of the evening? Like what's happening? Are incumbents all being kicked out? Um, Are people really voting for change? That kind of stuff. Those are the things that people can really um, connect with. The storylines. And there was that storyline this time. I mean, there were so many incumbents that lost. It was a huge surprise. Uh, as we sat there watching incumbents go down, which is very, very rare in municipal politics that 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 they lose. Um, so that was, I think, one of the, the big main storylines. Uh, you know, you saw Surrey as well. I think that was a surprise for a lot of people seeing. Not that Doug McCallum would win, but the the scope of his win was was massive. He he won in a landslide, really, when you look at the numbers. So. And I think that just going back to you'd mentioned that you guys have spent a lot of time in the field covering elections. I think that that really came through in your coverage as well, because I never felt like I know you guys did your research, but I never felt like you were just spitting out facts. I mean, there were facts peppered throughout, but it was just and I think it was partly just the rapport with the panelists. The whole thing just really felt like I was hanging out with you guys 
watching the results come in together with your expertise. So it was just a very, um, I don't know, like organic and relaxed election, if that makes any sense. It didn't feel overly formal. It didn't feel like anyone was talking over anybody's head. Like it just felt like a really accessible way to kind of digest and process what was going on, which was a huge change in virtually every community in Metro Vancouver. I mean, there were a few like Richmond where, you know, things went as we'd expected, but there's a lot of new mayors out there. There's a, a huge change in direction. And I just felt that that, I mean, not that I watched the election that night because I was in <laughs> Burnaby and I was in a loud <laughs> room, but just watching it after, I just, it was just a really, um, it was just a really great atmosphere that you created on the air. Oh, well, thank you. I well, I hope we did. I mean, I think we we were just excited being there because there was there was a lot of interesting stuff happening, and I think it helped that you and I, Scott, we both had done um, profiles of the uh, mayoral candidates. You did Surrey, I did Vancouver, so we'd had some time connecting with those candidates, and that always really helps to yeah. give you a sense of who those people are, the main issues in that city. Um, so it makes you feel more comfortable talking about the election. I mean, we both like politics. I find it really fun to watch. I find elections fun. And I think we wanted to kind of create that atmosphere for people because, again, you don't know what's going to happen. And it is fun to watch and it's exciting to watch it unfold. You know, when you when you get to see the reporters uh, in really excited rooms, or maybe the room isn't so excited. Maybe the energy is completely dead in that room because that candidate lost. I mean, it's just interesting to watch those those stories unfold. And I think if we're interested and the panel is very interested in it, uh, hopefully that comes through. And so I got to say, you guys have been uh, on your phones. If you see here, you got phones all over the place. We Diane's do. got two. I don't know how many you got. <laughs> He's just got just one. one. Phil Sedlicek joins me now. And Phil, you were the producer for this election special. So not only did you spend weeks kind of trying to figure everything out and put it together, but you were driving the bus in the control room. So explain what that was like on election night. These shows are really challenging because you have to, there's so much prep that goes into it. And then it all kind of accumulates on the night of. You have so much coming at you. You have to basically make decisions uh, on the fly, and you don't have a lot of time to think about it. And you have you have, the story's unfolding, and you have to make really quick decisions on where where the show is going to go. You know, minute by minute. And so then you have to kind of think, okay, there's a result coming in, or there's something really exciting happening out at one of the remotes with the reporters. How quickly do you have to make those decisions um, as all this information is flying at you? So basically beside me, I have two producers, one who's in charge of the remotes, and then another producer is helping me with the lineup. I'm get basically getting pitches on what the best content out there is right now. So I'm being told, here's our results, here's the storyline we're seeing. Then we've got the, the remotes producer telling me such and such reporter has a guest or, or can talk about this. Basically, I have just literally seconds to decide, okay, yes, I want that. No, I don't want that. Let's put that on hold. Keep that ready. Uh, okay, we have some new results. Okay, that's the priority. Let's get those on. And then, and then basically we're just kind of stacking the show of places to go next. Because I'm amazed how quickly things can go from, because people may have noticed if they were watching reporters, we had uh, headphones on, like the big headphones, we call them cans. Uh, but people may have seen on me that I also had like an iPhone earpiece in like earbuds, because in one ear I'm listening to the show, and in the other I'm talking to Rhonda Fuller, who was your um, uh, remotes producer. And I'm always amazed at how quickly we can go from a pitch. Like I remember the pipe and drum band was coming in in Burnaby, yeah. and they were super excited because we had 
called it for Mike Hurley. It was a big yeah. upset over Derek Corrigan. And I think we were on the air within like 20 seconds kind of thing when I was like, the band is coming. Yeah, Rhonda's so, like, okay. Yeah, Rhonda's telling me, look, look, and I can see on my preview monitors too what's going on. And so like, okay, yeah, this looks good. So basically we're, we're whatever we're in, I'm telling the director, okay, let's wrap the, let's wrap that whatever segment we're in and let's move we got to move to Burnaby because there's something going on there and then we get to it as soon as possible and that's so that's what we try to do is you know even though we're say talking to our panelists there's always that flexibility in the program to say okay hold on a second we have something happening right now and then we're going to go to it we also have ctv's legislative bureau chief bender sajan here in the studio with the stories behind the numbers and she is joined by research co-pollster Mario Canseco. Well, the analysis team was Mario Canseco and I, and anyone who knows Mario knows he is a fantastic pollster and an amazing source of political knowledge. Well, at the beginning of the night, he and I started a tally to see how many hits we did throughout the night. And let's just say we lost count. So we have no idea how many we actually did. And part of that is because when the results come in, we would take a look. So you're looking at the council makeup, you're looking at the mayor's races, you're looking at the votes and different things. And, you know, Mario will say, well, go back to that one. Let's see what's interesting there. Or I'd say, oh my gosh, Mario, look at this. And so, you know, we'd settle on a pitch and the way that it would work is we'd pitch something, our analysis to our producer who would then pitch it to the show producer. And, you know, they've got a whole bunch of other live hits and other information coming at them. And so sometimes we'd hear in our ears, okay, you're up next. And we'd run into our spot and we would do our hits. There are so many interesting stories that develop from the data. And so we knew going in that tight races, vote splits, whether there was a majority on council, that those were all going to be major storylines. But of course, there are the things that you didn't expect. Major upsets, the mayors who didn't get reelected, the very tight races, um, and different issues that you could see creeping up, whether you're looking at the votes, whether you're listening to the reporters who are doing their live hits. And it was really, really exciting to be in the newsroom and to be able to share what we found with other people. You know, anyone that knows me knows that I love making lists. I love a good list. For election night, I made so many lists that I actually had this binder of my own stuff, not even the official stuff. And I was thinking, yeah, yeah, I'll just reference this stuff if I need to. I think it was about 47 pages long by the time I was done. And the funny thing is, by the end of the night, we were getting tired, we were getting hungry. And I don't know how many people actually afterwards asked me if I actually managed to get some of those apple slices that Scott and Mijung had on the desk. The answer, by the way, is I didn't get any, but that's okay because I had a bag of potato chips sitting at my desk. Um, but anyway, so you think you're going to prepare, right? So I've got all these lists. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to prepare for all the different scenarios. I'm going to have the information. And then what happens? Things turn out unexpected. And that's what makes it so freaking fun as a journalist because really you don't have any skin in the game in terms of who wins or who loses. So that unexpectedness, that excitement, being part of that excitement and being able to drill down in terms of what that means to viewers is really exciting. And so it's always fun to be 
part of something like that. Reporter John Woodward joins me now. And John, you now for several elections have been responsible for taking care of results. Uh, It's a really complicated process. I mean, some of it is computerized, but so much comes down to um, human judgment and um, just that human element, I guess, that that computer just can't replicate. Uh, Paint us a picture of what you were doing um, on election night. So, yes, I'm the results producer. I've done it uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia elections, the Toronto, or sorry, the uh, Ontario election, and the federal election in 2015. So we've been uh, in a lot of places and seen a lot of elections. And uh, I got to say, though, this most recent Vancouver, uh, Metro Vancouver civic elections across BC was a real interesting race to watch. It was a nail-biter in a lot of places with a lot of change. And uh, so that's that's what the viewers at home want to see. My job is basically to look at those numbers, read the tea leaves, figure out what information we should be sending on air so that the anchors and the, and the reporters and so on know what's going on and know what to talk about. And unlike provincial or federal elections where you get all your information from one central kind of clearinghouse, in this case... You were dealing with municipalities, each with different formats, each with different um, refresh rates. Uh, what was that like, just trying to um, consolidate all that information in so many different formats and, and, and ways? Well, between the mayor races, the city council races, the school board races, the park commission races, the referenda or the plebiscites, we were looking at around 800 different individual elections to keep track of. And each of those, especially the city council, sometimes they were at large, so you were looking at as many as 10 different people with the potential to win in those races. So, I mean, it's mind-bogglingly complex. I thought when I was doing the federal election across the country, that was the worst it got. No, the civic elections are a beast. Um, But thankfully, we we knew that going in. We've done this before. Uh, And so one of the things that's different between the provincial and federal versus municipal is provincial and federal broadcasters get together into what's called a consortium. They manage the results together. Uh, It comes in from these public access sources and is piped out to each individual um, station. So so every station, every broadcaster has roughly the same idea what's going on at the same time different interpretations, of course, but the raw data is the same. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust some other stations as much as I would trust ours, obviously. But the raw data, they're going to see most of the same thing. The tri- trick is, it's not like that in a civic election. Each of these 800 races are reported wildly different ways. So some some cities are putting them on the internet. Some cities are just keeping them relatively quiet. Uh, some cities report late in the night, some early. And so we had to build a very uh, a, a sort of a very complicated system to keep track of it all um, that has to do with our own computers uh, scraping. It's called scraping data off public uh, published uh, websites. It has to do with um, phone calls, people being in the right place at the right time. And we're supported by a team of uh, at least a dozen people in Toronto who are actively pursuing what's happening with this race, what's happening with that race, where are the results. And that was one of the things that really shone on that election night, because while some other broadcasters were sitting going, we don't have any results, we're waiting for results, we might as well bring that ticker down because we don't see any. Our results were charging ahead. We were able to get enough data that we could start calling races before other broadcasters were even really on the board. How were you able to call something so early? Like if there's only 
and at what point is that threshold for you to be able to say, okay, there's only 15% of votes come in, but I know that this person is going to be mayor. How are you able to determine that? Is it an algorithm or does it come down to you and Anton Kashani, who's the elections guru for CTV News, uh, where you folks sit uh, side by side looking at the results? Well, I'd be pretty nervous if I had to call it all by myself. You know, there's no, there's no way. So what we have is a team of, they're called cephologists, which is essentially a fancy word for people who study elections. And they go around to every election across the country. Uh, it's the same group of people who are uh, modifying the same in-house software to handle this. So, so we're leaning, we're, we're standing on the shoulders of some very smart, mathematically oriented people uh, with a lot of experience in this. So when an election, uh, when my system shows, comes up, it says, for example, you know, uh, uh, Mayor Corrigan in Burnaby defeated. That's a big deal. We want to be very sure that that is correct. Um, I was at Mike Hurley's headquarters, so I can tell you they were very enthusiastic to see that we called it so much earlier than everybody else. But you're right. The stakes are high. Imagine calling the wrong name. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine, actually. No. It's, it's, very, it's very rarely done. I actually can't think of a time what's ever happened at CTV in my tenure, which is a huge relief. We have a very effective system. But even then, so, so I'm, watching, I'm watching the numbers and I'm looking at the state of play in the race, which, which direction are the voters going, not just in the mayor race, but city council race and so on, and trying to read the trends. Uh, and so then our, our statisticians are doing the same thing. But they're doing the same thing in a, in a smart way. They, they're not reading... It's not uh, a person reading the numbers necessarily. Sometimes there are algorithms that say, okay, in the past it went this way. If it deviates significantly off that, that's something we want to watch for and that will automatically flag. So I'm, um, there are a number of races that, according to what I would have been seeing, may have been called by a computer. But I also would be using my own judgment, saying, is that something we want to put on the air right now? How sure are we of this? And that's, that's – so I'm dealing with the, you know, the, the mid-level races when I'm looking at something like that. But at a, at a very important race, for example, like what happened with uh, Kennedy Stewart and Ken Simp, that was a, a close race. But our statisticians were confident. And uh, it doesn't just, I mean, it comes from them, it goes through me, and it goes all the way up to Anton Kasheni, who is the um, national elections producer. He's the one, ultimately, who makes that final call. And so we, we just can't afford to be wrong. And so in the Ken Sim, Kennedy Stewart back and forth, there was some uh, gains made by Ken Sim shortly after we made that call. And uh, I can see how viewers might think, well, how, how could they have been so sure? But the fact is, the, it, it was just very unlikely that those gains would ever have been enough to, to, uh, to come back. It's a game of probabilities. How many rolls of the dice are you gonna are you gonna tolerate before you get a bad result? That's what that's what we have the statisticians for. Again, if it was just me, I I don't know if I would have called it until Ken Sim had resigned. But we are working in a team where I can be very confident in the in the mathematicians and the cephologists' approach. But I also want to say that you're not just a typical journalist and you're not just a data journalist. You have a background in math. So they're not throwing Penny Daphlos in there. <laughs> they got to put John Woodward with the background that you have in math and, and the fact that you're not just 
uh, trained as a journalist, but you do have a serious mathematics background, and that's what qualifies you to be able to work on something like this and work with the people who specialize in that. But you can also, I mean, you're running the numbers in your head, and you have an, a very deep understanding of what's happening in the in this process. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. Like I often describe people, the screens that we look at are like the Matrix, right? They're 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 coming at you. There's numbers sort of floating down the screen, and you'd have to be able to read them. And that's really where the math background comes in, is that I'm quite comfortable just sitting down and going, all right, that's, you know, this person's that much ahead, this person's that much ahead. Um, and and so when you've got a back and forth, kind of, again, like Ken, Ken Sim and, and Kennedy Stewart, that's very easy for me to see in, in the numbers that are coming at you. But, uh, I mean, really, though, in a, in a huge change election like what you saw in, in uh, the civic races, there was a lot, it was... Very clear in a lot of the numbers. Very clear there's a huge shift in Burnaby. Very clear that um, vision, for example, was all but wiped out. These are these are things that are just like blinking red when you look at those numbers. And so that was our job to keep track of that. And we have some breaking news to report right now. And this is the call we have all been waiting for. There it is. The CTV decision desk has declared that Kennedy Stewart will be the next mayor of the city of Vancouver. I want to bring in managing editor Ethan Faber now, because Ethan, you were one of the people who had to take the data and the information that John and Anton were working with and make that call. What is it like to actually make that decision or whether or not to put that information to air? Yeah. So with every election, when you're at the point of making the decision to declare a winner or to declare a loser, if it's a big upset, um, for me, it always feels like I'm um, going into slow motion, like when you are in a car accident and everything kind of slows down and you realize that there's a lot of jeopardy uh, and there's also a lot of opportunity in making the decision because we want to be first. It's so competitive. Election shows are as much about making great television and serving the community with important information as they are about beating the competition with the results first. But you can't be wrong. We have to be right. And we'd also like to be first. And we go right down to the minute when we track how we're doing. And we look, did we declare the winner at 928? And the competition wasn't able to declare the winner until 1004. That's a big win for us. So we're hungry to be the first. And we're hungry to kind of win that little battle uh, in the war uh, that is an election special. But the chance uh, of screwing up is so high that you have to be extremely cautious. You really have to kind of look at your results people in the eye and say, how sure are you? And if they're not 100% sure, you can't call it. And that can be really frustrating, especially if the competition calls it before you. But that rarely happens because we have this awesome results team. But I can tell you, it's always one of the most exciting moments of, of, of the year as a journalist when you're getting ready to sort of initiate what we call the call protocol, where you're going to say who's the winner. You're going to actually make history. 
And I think a lot of us get into this business because, you know, it's a cliche. We like to say we're writing the first draft of history. Well, there's no more obvious and exciting example than declaring a new government or declaring the end of an old government or a new mayor in a big, big city. And when you announce it, you know it's going to be seen at the uh, parties and the gatherings for the winners and for the losers. It's going to spread like wildfire. You're going to, if you're first, you're going to be quoted by other media. So it's going to go viral. So if you're wrong, the wrongness will be amplified a thousand times. I have to ask uh, Scott and Nijung a very candid question. You'd mentioned that you this was the first time you've been on the desk hosting a big event like this, but did you miss being in the field? Did you miss the mayhem? Did you miss the tears, the empty rooms that you'd mentioned when just the energy goes out of it? Did you miss that a little bit? I, I mean, you do, because, uh, I mean, the last election I covered, uh, I was in uh, the NDP headquarters and John Horgan. I mean, who could forget that election? You're... you're you know, you're standing there covering it all night. Uh, the funny thing about that one is just, just nobody knew what had even happened. I mean, at that point in the night, you know, we were on the air till what, 1 a.m., was it, uh, uh, for the, the provincial election? election. Yeah. I think it was 1 o'clock. Pretty close for the Civic. We went till 1230. 1230 yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. We were only supposed to be on the air till 1130. Yeah, yeah we went the extra hour because we hadn't had a speech yet. From Ken Sim. From Ken, Ken Sim. Sim had not conceded that he had lost uh, the, the race for mayor in mm. Vancouver. So it was the, almost deja vu, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> like, yeah, I did, I did miss the energy of those rooms and reporting live in the field because uh, you could just get such a great insight of how people are feeling at the time. But I think we got, I mean, I think we get that through watching you guys. I mean, you guys were out there as well and and, and showing us, you know, the people's faces and, and hearing the interviews from maybe it's the campaign manager or the candidates themselves. We had a lot of those as well yeah. uh, that Saturday night. So. I think what really makes an election show great is not just the anchors and the panelists, but it's the remotes. It's yeah. the people out in the field. You want to get a sense for what's happening at those campaign offices. And I thought our reporters did a great job of um, grabbing interviews with, with people and, and just giving a flavor. And I think that's what made our show really compelling. Well, that's where the story, I mean, it's like any story. The stories are out there in the real world. They're not in a, you know, in a TV studio. You know, we're sort of bridging together those stories, but the stories are in those rooms what's happening there that's that's really where where it's at you know so. the funniest thing was that the people really loved us eating apples on tv <laughs> i got i heard about response. this so I did. <laughs> well i knew it was going to be a super long night and i thought i'm going to get hungry I, you know because we were on the air from six o'clock so i brought some little snacks you didn't bring any snacks did you I scott didn't bring anything but okay, you i did bust, the mom thing we, i brought some snacks yeah well, you busted those out i think it was during like someone's midnight. Uh, yeah, during uh, I mean, we didn't have any commercial breaks. So it wasn't during a commercial. It was during one of the reporters' live hits, I think. And we yeah. and then we had to we came back on and the I, Tupperware container was out, <laughs> so we decided to start passing them around. And we were, anyway. we were suffering from low blood sugar. Yeah. We had not eaten since like five o'clock. So people love that people though. Did, yeah. But we by that time. You know, like you've been on the air for seven hours. There are no rules anymore. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much for being on BTS with CTV. We're going to hear from the field crews in the next episode, but I really appreciate your insight uh, in this episode. Of course. Thanks so much. Thanks, Penny. I'd also like to thank Philip Binder, John and Ethan for their time and Gerald Christensen for his help with archival audio this week. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast? Email me. 
bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphlos.